Hallelujah. There's no God like Him. There's no Savior like Him. There's no friend like Him. There's no healer like Him. There's no deliverer like Him. He's beyond. He's still wonderful. He's still counselor. He's still the mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you turn to the book of Daniel chapter 7, I want to move right into the word of the Lord. I give honor tonight to this great church and the few comments that I'm fixing to make. I know we hear them a lot. I know we say them a lot, but they have never been truer. It is an honor and a privilege to be here tonight with you. I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. What a name. What a name. What a name to Bishop Wright and Pastor David Wright and the leaders, the great men of God on this platform. I honor you in that wonderful name. Amen. The devil's a liar. The truth is not in him. I am an emotional wreck, and I'll just tell you right now, but that's a good, that's a good place for me to be. Amen. I preach better when I'm an emotional wreck. Amen. I'm mad at the devil. I don't, I know that didn't, that didn't suffice. Mad's not even a good word. Uh, Just make up a word and let it be the worst thing you could be at the devil. And that's what I am tonight. Amen. God's a healer. There will be. There will be a moment tonight or tomorrow or next week or before we're done where the Holy Ghost is going to fill this place. Hang on just a minute. The Holy Ghost is going to fill this place. And you will be challenged to receive something that you have waited on for years. It's not going to be an average revival. It's not going to be a normal revival. It's not going to be just preaching. I'm just going to tell you right now. The word of God will come forth. I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. I'm a preacher because there's power in the word of God. I'll do my part. God will do his part. God will do his part. Amen. I just feel such a kindred spirit. Uh, It's not often that I get to say these remarks on the first night, but God is up to something big. And I know... I know as a congregation that's been here for any amount of years, you've heard preachers say that. So just chalk that, mark it, set it aside, and just see if God does what God promised you he would do. The time is right. The season is now. Amen. Amen. The time is right and the season is now. I... I, talked to your pastor earlier this week, and we were trying to figure this weekend out, and I had all intentions on asking forgiveness and begging out. Feel like I needed to be there with my son. Uh, but in the course of conversation, I just got that, I just got that feeling. I just got that feeling. And I told him, I said, I, I, I want to be there. It doesn't have a thing to do with an offering. I want to be there. I want to preach this weekend. I have something that I want to put out there. Amen. Again, honor to you in this great church. Pastor, thank you for the privilege of being here in Jesus' name. Daniel chapter 7, please don't uh, jump to the conclusion that we're going to talk about prophecy here tonight. Just just a little bit from this 
seventh chapter of Daniel. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And the four great beasts came up from their sea, diverse one from another. Would you just say that with me? Diverse one from another. Verse number four, the first was like a lion, had eagle's wings, and beheld till the wings therefore were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another, a second. And this second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side. And it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, thus unto it arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon Back of it, four wings of the fowl, and the beast had also four heads and dominion. Shout dominion. Amen. Dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night vision, and behold, everybody say the fourth beast. Dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue at the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I want to preach something tonight that God birthed in my spirit and he mandated that anytime I start a meeting or preach that this be what I am welcomed with. And I, I want to obey the Holy Ghost more than I want my next breath. I, I mean that. I want to obey the Holy Ghost more than anything in this world. That's what's important to the apostolic church. But I want to preach to you tonight on the fourth. And the final. The fourth and the final. This will make sense in just a moment. Would you be so kind one more time to lift your hands and your voices and just give glory and honor unto the Lord for all that He's going to do? Hallelujah. Anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, God. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise while you're being seated. I I want to be very clear on the outset that I I do not claim to be a prophecy preacher. I do not claim to understand all of the vials and the seals and the trumpets. There are those among us that do. I yield the floor to them. However, I am smart enough to understand the timing of God. 
I'm smart enough to understand that when God decrees something or sets into motion something, that neither imps or demons or angels or principalities or powers or governments or legislations can stop it. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and God said, shout with me, God said. Any time in the book of Genesis, the first, second chapter, it starts with the statement, and God said. It will simply conclude with this statement, and it was so. Whatever God says, it will always be so. I, I don't, I don't know that we fully comprehend that like we ought to. It means that there is no changing, no turning. There is no variableness. There's no shadow of it. It is impossible for it not to come to pass. Matter of fact, the word of God says heaven and earth may and probably will pass away, but my word, it will never, ever, 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 it will never, ever, ever pass away. It doesn't matter what comes against it. It doesn't matter who leaves it. The Word of God is still immutable. It's still infallible. It is still the Almighty Word of God. There is nothing, there is nothing like the Word of God. In the beginning, we understand that. We are not tricked. We are not fooled by the plurality of us. It is not a co-equal talking to a co-eternal. But to wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God for the Word was God. All things were made by Him, not them. And without Him, not them, was anything made that was we just might as well establish something on the outset. There is nothing as powerful as the almighty word of God. It will not, it will not fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what the MRI report says. I serve a God that is able. I serve a God that can do exceeding abundantly above all we think or ask according to the power that worketh. I am convinced, I am convinced, man of God, that this church is on a tipping point. I am convinced that some 40 or 50 years of praying and fasting and steadfastness is fixing to pay off big time. Not because I said it or because of anybody up here, but because God said it when it mattered most and it doesn't matter. If the church would ever get back to firmly believing in the immutable, infallible Word of God, if we would truly believe that when God says it, nothing can change it. Hallelujah. Well, glory. There is no God like our God. I said there is no God like our God. There is no Savior like our Savior. There is no God like our God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When man was hungry, he became the bread of life that he might feed him. When man was lost on the sea of life, he became the bride of the morning star that he might direct him. When man was thirsty, he became the river of living water that he might satisfy him. When man was destitute and poor, Jesus became the gift of God that he might enrich him. When man was sick, Jesus became the great physician that he might heal him. When man was condemned to die, Jesus became the Savior to save him. When man was ignorant, Jesus became the schoolmaster to teach him the ways of life. When man was lonely, he became the friend that sticketh closer than any brother. When man was burdened down with cares, he became the burden bearer. Are you with me tonight? There is no God like your God. He's a well in the midst of the wilderness. He's a light in the midst of darkness. He's a refuge in the midst of storms. He's a feast in the midst of famine. He's a diamond in the midst of the dust. He's a song in the midst of sorrow. He's a lamb in the midst of wolves. I just want to remind the apostolic church that there is no God like our God. Muhammad can't do it. Joseph Smith couldn't do it. There's no God like your God. There's no God like our God. He's not just Alpha. He's Alpha and Omega. He's not just the beginning. He's the beginning and the ending. He's not just the first. He's the first and the last. He is everything. He is all things. He is God in the flesh. Would you clap your hands under that God and just give Him praise? Hallelujah. The Bible is full of the Word of God. 66 books. Words written by emperors and poets and legislators and judges. And shepherds and kings and priests. And women of God who moved under the auspices of the Holy Ghost to write. Jesus said not one dot or not one tittle would ever pass away or be removed. So if there is a word or a statement in this old book, it is by God's sovereignty meant to be there. Somebody say amen. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting on His love divine for every promise in the book is mine. That was a Sunday school song we used to sing some years ago when we believed more on the infallibility of the Word of God. But this is not just ink on pages. I firmly believe that when you start reading this old book, it comes back to life again. When you read how David whooped Goliath, it's not a story, friend. It's a fact. It's an event. When you read Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's not words in a book. He is the way, the truth. You ought to help me right now. He is the way, the truth, and... When he built 
and constructed this old church. He didn't make a mistake with it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew when and how and where. Joseph was not a mistake. Israel going to Egypt was not a mistake. No, sir. Moses wasn't a mistake. Elijah and Elisha wasn't a mistake. Elimelech, Milion, and Chilion, and Naomi and Ruth were not a mistake. Nor is what's happened to you and I a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's God's word coming to pass. Just. Hallelujah. I am convinced that when Jesus spoke to his followers in Matthew 16, when he said, whom do the son of men say that I am? Tell me who I am. Them disciples whirled on him and said, we say, or some say Elias or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus no doubt chuckled. Maybe, maybe he even got a little depressed on that answer. But he locked eyes with that great preacher, Peter. And Peter looked at him and said, I'd like to give you a shot. I say that thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Blessed art thou, Simon, the son of. Jesus said, now that you know who I am, I want you to know that I know who you are. It's not enough for the apostolic church just to know Jesus. But we need to get convinced that Jesus knows us. My sheep hear my voice. And a stranger they will not hear or follow. I am known of them. And they, come on apostolics, they are... You may be seated. Can you can you handle just a few more minutes here tonight? I had a I had a man that I used to pastor call me this week and said, I just don't like what God's doing to your son. He said, I don't like it. It's not fair. I had to check him quick because if you ever let that get in your spirit, you're gonna shipwreck. Oh, we're fixing to have some church in here tonight. I said, Sir, let me correct you kindly. God is not letting anything happen. The devil can't sneak up on God. The enemy can't sneak up on God. God was awake and alert before there ever was a devil. And he'll be awake and alert. Oh my God. I got a feeling it's going to happen tonight. I got a feeling God's going to afford this church the opportunity of a lifetime tonight. I said, let me remind you, sir, somewhere and in all things, God's going to get glory. Somewhere and in all things, God's going to get glory. This will make more sense in a few more minutes.
waiting on the neurologist, the first appointment a few days ago. We were a little terrified, a little scared, and I didn't mean to say all this tonight, but here we are. And I looked, I looked at my son, 14. I said, Colton, I want you to do me a favor. I said, I want you to give me a list that you want God to do for you when that doctor walks in here today. That's all right. You, you'll respond different come closing tonight. I said, I want you to tell me. He named me five things. I said, so when that doctor walks in here, if God gives you those five things. I didn't coach him. I didn't tell him to ask for the big one. I just let him learn the most valuable lesson any apostolic can learn. God heareth us when we pray. I know some of you sitting there like you lost your best friend and you just might have. Some of you may be borderline bitter at God. But I remind you that not one prayer, not one bended knee has God ever forgot. As a matter of fact, quote me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's in the book of Revelation. Where the old prophet, the old preacher looks at him and says, what's that big tube? What's that big pot right there you're pouring out? And the, the mighty God, the everlasting father turned around and said, oh, that? Well, that's the prayers of the saints. Five things. I said, name them. Five things. That doctor walked in. Introduced himself, said, Colton, how are you today? Pulled the MRI, told us all about that mass. Went through it all. And he said, you got any questions? And I whirled and looked at Colton. I said, you got any questions? He said, yes, I do. Number one, and he asked. And the doctor answered him. In seven minutes, God had answered all five. In seven minutes. That may not do anything to you, but when you're 14 and you just ask God for five things and in seven minutes God ha- God has mapped the entire universe out. Who am I? Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also that thou art, help me, thou art Peter. Watch this. Who am I? Some didn't know it. Peter had the right answer. Thou art the Christ. So the first part of the revelation is you've got to know Jesus. I too, pastor, grew up in this. It's all I've ever known, all I'm going to know. When you get it right the first time, you don't have to look for anything else. That's how I feel. I know him. I remember growing up in the boot hill of Missouri. I remember under the church pews. I remember the miracles. I remember singing, it's all in him. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him. Heaven and earth adore Him. 
And I remember the sisters getting out. We used to sit men on the left and the women on the right. I remember everybody getting out in the aisles and having a Holy Ghost shout. Now, it was whole down time. They worshiped the revelation of Jesus. May I tell you that there is more to the revelation than just who he is. Hang on. It's not false doctrine. God did a lot of his greatest movements and moments in triparts. Death, burial, resurrection. Start in Genesis and go to Revelation. You're going to see a lot of things he did in triparts and threes. But one is not the whole. It takes three to get the whole pie. We are here tonight because our forefathers got the revelation of who Jesus was. And Jesus said, blessed art thou. There'll always be a blessing when you find Jesus. But when Peter understood who he was, Christ backed up and said, I need to identify you now. Now that you know me, I want you to know I know you. You can sit there and think that you're nothing and nobody. But let me tell you how I think. I think every demon in Maryland is terrified of me right this very moment. You may not be a threat, but I am. I can tell. Not enough of you believe that. You may not be a threat, but I am. Everywhere I go, demons tremble. Every. How can you say that? Because I know who Jesus is. And then Jesus says, blessed art thou. You know me and I know you. If the power of the revelation was simply and just in knowing Jesus and Jesus knowing you, how come Peter didn't get the keys? Uh huh. He didn't get them when he found out who Jesus was. He didn't get them when Jesus knew him. He got it when he says, and thou also art Peter, watch me. You've got to know Jesus. Jesus got to know you. And you got to know you. That's why you're still sitting there. That's why we can have revival after revival after revival and prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. That's why we can get there and back off. Get there and back off. Because you are not convinced yet that you are the hope of this city. That, all right. I might as well rain on the parade right now. Anything and everything that God's going to do, He's going to do it through you. So you're telling me, so you're telling me that God can't work unless he works through me. No, that's not what I said. God can do anything, but he's not going to because he chose to limit what he could do through the use of flesh. Jesus walk around saying, you need heal, look on me. I need this, look on me. I need a blinded eye. Look on me. I need, I need healing in my limbs. Look on me. Is that right? 
And when he left and his disciples were alone and they went walking to church and the guy begging alms said, alms, alms, what did they say? Look on us. We want to jump to silver and gold. Have I none, but such as I have. Get No, 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 no. You won't raise them up until you get the revelation. Look on. My God, you ought to be helping me right now. Every demon in this area is terrified of you. The principality is terrified of you. The dominions... You may be seated. God in his sovereignty builds and constructs. I'll hurry. God in his own unique way builds and constructs. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was it that got Peter the keys? The revelation of Jesus and him. The relationship between Peter and Jesus and the revelation of who Peter was in Jesus. And then Christ looked at him and said, Blessed art thou. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Watch me. And whatsoever. When's it going to happen? When you let it. I grew up on this song. Brother Wright. I hope y'all don't sing it. (laughs) Send it on down. Boy, we get out in the aisle. Heavenly Father. That's how we have church. Instead of walking in and saying, sit down and shut up. Stand up and be. You walk in your home and you let things live in your home that ought not live in your home because you... I'll work on you just a minute. Send it on down. Anything and everything that God's going to do, God has already done because He has bestowed it and imparted it and gifted it. It is in the church. When this little guy that's in the hospital tonight was born, he was born in a miracle. We've been fighting for a breakthrough. I'll get there in just a minute. We've been fighting for a breakthrough. You know those moments when you know something huge is on the horizon? And so the time of his birth drew near. It was kind of a setup for the miracle how the doctor did it. But my wife is there. They decide to... They decide to force labor. There's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, induce labor. So they give her the shot. And at that particular moment when the meds hit her bloodstream, she had a titanic contraction, which means every muscle in her body contracted at the same time. For 13 minutes, he had no heartbeat. He had no brain activity. For 13 minutes, he was dead. 
In that 13 minutes, oh God, we're fixing to have some church. In that 13 minutes, they pushed me away from the tables. I backed up thinking I'm losing a baby and possibly a wife. And I remember walking out the door and turning immediately and putting my head against that cold wall. And something spoke out of me that said, you did not send me to bury a boy. And I said, when I go back in there, there will be life where there was death. No, preacher, it don't work that way. It does when you know you're the church. I'm telling you, God's got this church right where he wants you. He's just waiting on you to find your voice. I feel a divine awakening in this moment right here tonight. God is wanting this church to find her voice. You're too quiet. You're too quiet. You're too quiet. Hey, disciples, stay where you are at. Hey, disciples, you see that mountain right there? That physical, tangible touch of mountain. You see that? Yeah. You shall speak to that mountain. It wasn't a parable. It was a fact. You shall speak to that mountain and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And it shall obey you. Why? Because anything that is of life or origin or being was formed by the word. See, we're the only thing not formed by the voice. And when that that formed it speaks to that that it was formed, that that was formed recognizes the voice that formed it. And we want to sit here and act like we got to struggle to have revival and struggle to have a breakthrough. I'm telling you, Apostolic Church of Antioch, God has given you a voice and when you find it the gates of heaven are going to open up
You've been here several times. You've been here often. And right now, I'm starting to battle that age-old Pentecostal mentality. What makes tonight different? What makes you different? I'll tell you what makes me different. I didn't come to play. I couldn't give a flip what you think about me. I don't care if you like me or ever come back. I'm going to please God and obey the Holy Ghost and tell you, this is your moment. Folks sitting in here with prophecy sitting on you, with ministry sitting on you, and because you've had some affliction. You might as well sit down. We ain't done. Is this all right? Several months ago, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I know, I know what you're used to. Just hang on. Several months ago, another moment like this happened. And I turned, Brother Wright, pastor, and I told the pastor, I said, there's fixing to be a miracle of money. And it's going to blow your mind. But hear me. The miracle is not the money. The money will be proof that the miracle is coming. I don't know how many people were there. I won't even try. But as of the last time I checked, 760 some thousand dollars had been given. That may not impress you. That blew my mind. Three quarters of a million dollars cash don't impress you. You can't be impressed. We definitely not going to get along. Because that blows my mind, son. Moments are formed by the sovereignty of God. Times and seasons are appointed by the hand of God. Nothing changes that. Nothing alters that. You and I can either show up on time or somebody else will. But it shall come to pass. Let me just let me just work on something here. Yeah, well, God promised me something and it didn't happen. Oh, I bet it did. It just didn't happen to you. Because you let yesterday's puke, you let yesterday's calamities, you let personal crisis, you let what you view and think of ministry stop you from doing what God... Sometimes you just got to get out the boat. Sometimes you just got to walk. I said something the other day and I knew they didn't believe me. I'll try it here. I don't believe Peter walked on the water. He walked on the word. If it be you bid me come, come. Boom. And when you start doubting the word. It's here. It's here. And this is the moment. And this is the time. This is it. This is it. 
This is the mind-blowing, earth-shattering, Holy Ghost-ordained moment. This is it. This is why devils are trembling. This is why hell is fearful. And this is why there's an all-out attack. You're getting ready to be invaded by a bunch of apostolic believing talking people. I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. Hang on. Hang on. Born and bred. We have default mechanisms built into the structure of the apostolic church of this hour. There's just sometimes God wants you to do something. Hang on. We've learned to shout. We've learned to intercede. We've learned to travail. But if what we're doing isn't getting the results that we've asked for, Einstein said insanity is this, doing the same thing, We are insane if we don't try something different. I didn't say stop praying. I didn't say stop travailing or stop worshiping. We need to add something to that. At a very crucial moment, hell had knocked on my door. Matter of fact, he didn't knock. He just kicked the dude in. I mean, he he just kicked him. He just kicked it down and walked in. And I won't, I won't degrade God or glorify the enemy with the details of the calamity. Suffice it to say this: He touched me. He touched my wife. He touched all four of my sons. He went through my finances. He went through my church. It was one calamity after another. I'm not talking about a pity party and a woe is me and I stubbed my spiritual toe. I mean, I lost family members. I had a daughter-in-law that decided to take a different route. I still pray for her. I went from 350 people down to about 20 in the space of nine months. When I tell you the devil walked through my house 
And so I find myself on my face in my bedroom crying like a big fat baby. Oh God, look at what you've taken from me. I know y'all never say anything like that. Oh God, the calamity that has befallen me. Oh God, why me? And then I went into a season of intercession and he began to mold something and shape something. And when I remember kind of rolling over in a fetal position and saying, I'm done. I have nothing left. And I'm telling you, if I've ever heard from God, he spoke and said, now you're ready to take what I've been trying to give. Fasten your seatbelts. See, the problem, in my opinion, is that we want God to do everything for us. Even tonight. You expect God just to thunder in this place because you snap your fingers and tell Him to. But it won't happen. And that's why we hit the ceiling of spirituality and fall back down. And hit it and fall back down. And hit it and fall back down. Because God structured the church to be possessors of provisions. I'll prove it to you. Thank you for bearing with me. Give me a few more minutes. Come out of Egypt. Yes, sir. It's easy to get Israel out of Egypt. That's the easy part. Hard part's getting Egypt out of Israel. That's the hard part. Come out of Egypt. Oh, here they come. He leads them to Marah. Bitter water. I read one commentary where it said it had a film on top of the water. And when they drank it, it caused dysentery. Hang on, I'll prove it to you. It caused dysentery. I think the reason why God had him get out of Egypt, go to Mara, and drink bad water, because he got them out physically. But they still had their taste buds. If, if, if I could afford to buy the mic, I'd drop it right now. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why every time it got hard, they'd say, "Mmm, garlics and onions and leeks." Had they followed the Holy Ghost and drunk the bitterness, it would have flushed their dysentery. It would have caused dysentery and flushed their appetite. It would have taken the taste buds. I don't mean to get gross, but you know, part of your taste buds come from your colon tract. You hunger for what you tasted before. If you've never tasted it, you have no appetite for it. That's why we can preach the heavens. And nobody wants it. But you let calamity knock on your door. You let God knock.
That's why I told you all ago, I don't mean to be flippant nor rude. I love God's church, but I don't care what people think of me. I got hell knocked out of me a few years ago. Okay. I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm in the fetal position. He says, now you're ready for me to give you, or you're ready to take what I've been trying to give you. And I literally roll over and set up, and I said, hang on just a minute. If I have caused any of this, forgive me. But what is it you're trying to give me? And he led me to the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. And I read the first few verses and I said, Now God, you ought to know better than anybody. I don't get these vials and trumpets and seals. I was preaching for Brother Nichols, great man of God coming tomorrow night. Phenomenal man of God. I was talking to him, preaching to him a few weeks ago, and he got to talking about the seals and the trumpets. And every now and then I'd go, wow. Mm, seriously. And my head was like, who cares? If I want him to know any of this, I'll, I'll tell him. I'm thinking in my head, the one thing I know is you've got to ride a horse to come back. So I got my horse, I ride, that's all I'm working on. You better learn to ride if you're going to heaven, I'm just telling you. I don't know about the vials, I don't know about the trumpets and the feast of this and all. I mean, come on, God. And he said, just keep reading. And then he said, the first was like and the second was like. And the third was like, and the fourth, and I blew through it, and I got down here to the ancient of days come, and judgment getting more. I said, oh, I like that. He said, no, but you didn't get it. Go back. I'm from Missouri. Pardon me. You've got to show me. So I went back, and I read it again, and I missed it. And I'm not lying to you. I don't know how many times I had to read it. Until finally the Holy Ghost said, Hey, little stupid, come here. Let me, let me just tell you what I'm trying to tell you. And he said, Look at the beast. Look at the beast. One was like a leopard. One was like a lion. One was like a bear. But there were four. Stay with me, please. He said, Look at how they're defined. The first was like But it wasn't. It was like it. I'm a hunter. I love the outdoors. I love the fish. If you get me up in the morning and say, we're going to go shoot some quail or pheasants or dove or deer or bear, just tell me what we're going to hunt. I've got the ammo and the rifle or the shotgun or the pistol. I got it. Trust me. I got it. And folk in California didn't quite know what to do with me. But I had it all. I got my 308. I've got my 270. I've got my 243. I've got my 30 out 6 I've got 7-millimeter .8. I got them all. You want to shoot long distance? I, I know what velocity. I know what caliber. I know what bullet I got to have. I, I got it. I got it. I can study if you tell me we're going to hunt something like a leopard. I'll read up. I'll Google lepers.
I may not have hunted one, but you give me 15 minutes and I'll tell you how to hunt it. See, see, I grew up in an era of church where men of God could walk to this pulpit and say, elders, we're facing a spirit of carnality. We need to war against it. And the elders would rally and we would fast and pray and we would drive that silly thing out of the church. Oh, yes, we would. And he said, the problem now is you're fighting something you can't define. Here we go. He said, you're fighting something you can't even name. And because you cannot discern it nor name it, it's winning. I know you're not going to like that, but I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. It's winning for a season. For a season. And a time. And he said, look at the second. Like a leopard. Like a bear. And he said, you can pray against what you can define. I called my pastor some five or six years ago, right after God gave me this, probably, yeah, back then. And I said, Pastor Keys, I want to ask you something. Is pastoring today like it was 25 years ago? And he laughed at me. He said, son, if I had to pastor what you have to pastor, I would quit. Hang tight. This ain't false doctrine. See, the problem is we're trying to have church like we've always had church. Oh, you got your patty cake down. You've got your shout down. You've got your prayer down. You've got your Pentecostal culture down. You've got it all figured out. You know when to jump up. You know when to sit down. You know what to say when you jump up. I told you I'm going to be different. We got it all figured out. We have become the most professional hypocrites. We going to put our mask on. I'm preaching now. We going to put our mask on. You got hell breaking loose in your life. You and your husband probably not going to make it. Everything that could go wrong goes wrong. But you put your mask on. You slide into church. You throw your hands up. You shout your little dance. You travail your little travail. And nothing changes. I humbly bring you what I feel in the spirit tonight. Nothing changes. And so we've learned how to master the mask. Don't get too close to me, Pastor. You may find out I'm not as spiritual as you think I am. So we've learned how to distance ourselves from the cross. Because we don't understand the cross right now. You know why? Because we've never fought what we're fighting now. Okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I've got it to do tonight. We've never fought spirits like we're fighting right now. The church has never fought the battle we're fighting right now. Moms and dads have never fought the spirits like we're fighting right now. Husbands and wives have never fought what we're fighting right now. And church last year will not be church this year. So we've learned... We've learned how to mask things. Stay with me. We've learned how to mask things. 
when the truth of the matter is, two years ago I yanked my sons out of public school because in the state of California they voted that if my boy wanted to get up and throw on a skirt, he could go to school as a woman and use the ladies' rooms. It's whatever he identified with on Monday or Thursday. It just got out of hand. Marriage is not definable unless you own it. You can't give away what you don't own. Marriage doesn't belong to legislation or the president or Supreme Court. It belongs to the church. Oh, no, no. You just too quiet there. Marriage belongs to the church. We define it. Because God gave it to us. And you shall be unto her and her only. Two. Yeah. Yeah. When have you ever, when have you ever seen such chaos? When has the Supreme Court acted in such vile, corrupt ways? When have we ever had a president like this guy? I know it's dangerous territory. I might as well well make the rest of you mad. (laughs) When you can fund something that takes babies and murders them and, and harvests their organs and sells them. I don't care if you're Maryland or California. The word of God trumps it all. Murder is murder. See, we are now in an hour where preachers are afraid to do what I'm doing because of the breaking of the law. And you really think when the gender corruption, when the genders of our world can redefine conception and creation on a whim, help me Holy Ghost, when Hollywood can redefine and tell the church what we are. And it seems to me, in my opinion, the church is just saying, send it on down. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I already sent it down. I wonder, I wonder how many preachers in our movement walked to the pulpits the week or the Sunday after the Supreme Court voted recently. I wonder how many walked to the pulpit and preached with fervor and fear and favor and anointing and vengeance against the actions of the Supreme Court. My question is this. We knew it for six months. We led no prayer meetings. Supreme Court doesn't tell the church. The church tells the Supreme Court. I know. I really do. I know. I probably wouldn't be clapping with what I was preaching either if I was sitting out there. And the first was like a leopard, and the second was like a bear, and the third was like a lion. And it's easy to fight against something, couples, when you know what to fight against. But how about when your husband starts acting odd?
And you in the quietness of your bedroom look him in his eyes and say, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And he says, nothing. Yes, there is. I know you. There's really not anything. There is. Please be honest with me. Is it someone else? No, it's not someone. Quit asking. And a fight and anger erupts. And a great wall is created because he doesn't know how to tell you what he's fighting. I know. Your mask almost slipped, but you fixed it just in time. Hang on to your mask. You might make it another six months, but eventually you're going to lose because the fourth was created to wreak havoc in the church. Couples are fighting and they can't explain it. I said across the desk so many times, I got tired of it. What's wrong? What's up? Talk to me. Pastor, we just, I don't, it's, I, nothing. But I know there's something, nothing, we're good. How do you fight what you can't name? How do you fast and pray against something you can't even define? See, you need to hear me. The first, the second, the third were like. He gave you what they were like, but when he come to the fourth, he said the fourth beast was unlike the rest. And for you to sit here and think that this last hour, beast and spirit is like the former, you're out of touch with reality. This guy is after you, your husband, your spouse, your children, your morality, your finances, your home, your... He wants marriage. He wants holiness. He wants separation. He wants to come out from among them. He wants it all. Please don't get weary with me. I'm almost done. He wants it all. He wants to wreak havoc in the church. He wants to mess the church up. And if you think, and if you think having church like you've normally had church and doing what you normally do is going to get this one, you, you're, you're out of touch. You're out of touch. I need a strong Bible reader. Help me real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm there. 7 and 11, man of God. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Mm. Their lives were prolonged for a season mm. and time. Keep reading. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came. I with thought the... I recognized this one. He was like the Son of Man. But when he came, read. With the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion. There was what? Now, now this is important. And there was given dominion and there was given him him. here comes Christ and these beasts bow and their power is delivered up to Christ and Christ says it's mine right 
and glory and the kingdom. Read, man of God. That all people, that all people, nations, all nations, and languages, and languages should serve him. Should serve him. Him. We're not done. His dominion. His is dominion. Everlasting dominion. His dominion is a what? Everlasting dominion. It's a what? Everlasting <laughs> dominion. It's an everlasting dominion. Read on. We're not done. Which shall not pass away. Which shall what? Not pass away. Look at the redundancy of Scripture. It's an everlasting kingdom. It shall not pass away. Well, if it's everlasting, we know it's not going to pass away. Just in case you missed it the first time, he wanted to convince you the second go around. It ain't ever going anywhere. Because when Jesus Christ comes on the throne. Okay, you're tired. Read, man of God. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head okay. troubled me. Uh-huh. I came near unto uh-huh. one of them that stood uh-huh. by me and asked him the uh-huh. truth of all this. Man, can you think? Now, see, I wasn't the only one. Daniel was like me, saying, it's messing me up. I don't understand any of this stuff. What do you think it means? Read it. So he, he told me and so made me know the interpretation of the And made me know things. the interpretation of the visions. Read. Here we go. These great beasts, These great are, beasts. Four, are four kings. Four kings. Which shall arise out of the uh-huh. earth. Out of the earth. Read. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. You know what God's getting ready to do at Antioch? He's going to show you a kingdom. And it's going to be up to you whether you stop dancing around it. Stop singing about it. See, you're second guessing yourself. You're wondering what to do right now. Take the kingdom. That's what you do. Amen to God. Read verse 18. Keep, keep going. Stay there. We're setting it up. Hang on. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Okay, okay, okay. It's important that we get this. You have to take it. Stay with me. Am I, I know I'm preaching long. Hang on. Who said that? You are my number one fan. So I'm just going to preach to you. When the Lord told Moses to get him out of Egypt, he said, tell him I said, leave. Okay, they left. They went to the water. Egypt, repentance, water, baptism, cloud and fire, Holy Ghost and filling, overshadowing, right? Right? They were born again. And he's with them. Until they get there. And he says, now, I'm backing off you. I'll be behind you, but I won't be in front of you. Because you ought to know, if I'm God enough to get you out, 
if I'm God enough to get you here. But I'm not going to give it to you. You know, when we're going to have the revival we preached about all of my life, when the church takes it. Read on, man of God. Turn him up. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. And even what? forever. And what? And ever. They're going to take it? Watch. They're going to take it? And possess. Possess. How many camp meetings? How many revivals? How many words of prophecy have you took and lost? I can't. Read on, read on, read on. Read on. Verse 20, verse 21. I beheld. No, no, no. no. I like to read on. And possess the kingdom. Give me all those forevers. And possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Twenty. I beheld. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until whoa, 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 I thought we had all power. I thought we snap our fingers and demons. We do. We do. When we possess what's provided. And if you don't possess it, he will make war with you. And prevail. My wife looked at me. My wife looked at me a week and a half ago and we found out the tumor was there five and a half inches long. It is inside the spinal canal, wrapped around the spinal cords, where the lower part of the back starts giving out the nerves. The doctor said, think of a bowl of spaghetti and put your son's tumor in the middle of that bowl of spaghetti and it's the sauce that holds it together. He said, we are really worried about the outcome. He said, your son has a one in a million tumor. And I'm sitting there listening to all this. And my wife looked at me. She says, thank you. And I'm like, for, for what? What did I do? She said, every time, every time God gets ready to take you to a new level, we get a new devil. I can go back and memorialize the moments. So that's why I don't care what you think about me tonight. I am going to possess. It doesn't matter what you do. Read, man of God. Made war with the saints and prevailed against Watch. them. He made war with the saints and prevailed against them. This is the fourth guy. Read now. Until. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do I ever like until? Woo! I mean, that joker punching me, kicking me, stabbing me, until. laughing at me. Until. 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 
I feel an untilled spirit. I feel, you ought to come out of your cave. You ought to come out of your dilemma. You ought to come out of your crisis until the ancient of days took dominion. Don't stop. Let God go. sickness. This is for the disease. This is for the hell we've been through. Okay, now, hang on. Hang on. I'm going to break every cardinal rule of UPC right now. Hang on. Hang on. The Word will work tonight. The Word will work tonight. Read on, man of God. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. Okay, 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 okay. Let me get this right. So when all four of them came in their might and power, Christ showed up and took dominion. And the judgment did set. So he has held it until the fourth and the final. Read on, man of God. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came. And what? The time came. And what? The time came. What makes this revival different from the rest? The timing. Your time. And your time. You right there. Your time. Your time. That the saints. That the who? Saints. Do what? Possess the kingdom. Read on. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, 
and shall, de- shall devour the whole earth. Yeah, you think, you think it's bad now? You let Putin keep coming down. But those are not his choices. That's the hook in his jaw. That's why, that's why Kerry and their Minister of Defense, Secretary of State, are talking right now. Because we're fitting to go to war. Because that beast. The president can't stop it. Kerry can't stop it. If the president of Syria does resign, it's not going to stop it. Israel is fixing to go to war. Because the time came. For the saints to possess the kingdom. Read on, man of God. And shall devour the whole earth. He's going to mess it all up. It's just getting started. Shall tread it down and break it in pieces. Uh And the ten horns Uh out of this kingdom are ten kings Uh that shall arise. Uh And another shall arise after them. Uh And he shall be diverse from the first And he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. Oh, wait. Wait. What what, what was that? So this last guy is going to have the ability to speak against God? Watch me. I'm done. That is the nature and the spirit of the Antichrist. You know, when Lucifer showed up in the garden, he didn't change the word. The explanation point, he just bent the line, made it a question mark. That's all he did. Did God say? That's what this joker does. He causes you to start saying, did God really say? I mean, I mean, I mean, you know. uh, Well, remember when prophet so-and-so said, I mean, I mean. Read on, man of God. He's going to speak great words against the God, the Most High God. He's going to speak against him. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And now, if you look at that word, it means he's going to attack the mind. See, it's not carnality this man's fighting. He can appoint some prayer warriors and drive that spirit out. It's not homosexuality. It's not perversion. It's not love. It's none of that stuff. Because you can name that. Pastor, when you're standing up here on midweek Bible class and you're trying to minister the Word of God and people get their mask on just right, and they've learned how to... But the battle is not what they wear... You hear me? I'll get on that plane tomorrow afternoon. And I'll land in San Diego at 821. I'll be at the hospital by 9 o'clock unless there is a delay. And I will kiss my 14-year-old baby on the forehead. And at 5 o'clock Monday morning, I'll be up with him. Matter of fact, I will spend the night with him. At 5 o'clock when they start prepping him and getting ready, when I kiss him goodbye at 730 in the morning, I will see him again. I will play ball with him again. I will see a normal life. 
yes. Oh, yeah. You know why? Because all week long, all week long, in my mind, <laughs> he said, I'll kill him. I'll take his life. I'll take it on the operating table. I'll have him sever a nerve. He'll never walk again. And anytime the voice in my head starts talking like that, it just means I'm headed in the right direction. And he's terrified of something. But devil, here I come. I've come to take what is mine. God. When you got prayer warriors that don't want to pray. When you got seasoned saints that say, I'm too tired. I just can't do it like this anymore. Huh? Don't get quiet. Don't get quiet. Reach up there and take that mask. Just let me see the real you for five minutes. Come on. Let me see the real you for five minutes. Just be transparent. He'll speak words against God. He will wear your mind out. Read. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion. But the judgment shall set, and they, the church, they cannot be talking of Christ because he has not a plurality. He has wore my mind out. But I have the promise of locking eyes with that joker and saying... I want everything back. Read on and I'm done. Shall take away his dominion. And the saints shall take away. He ain't going to give it, church. You you, you, you might as well go on home eat pizza if you're just going to stand there and act like he's going to give it up. You're going to have to. Come on. I told you it's going to be different. We're going to have to. Watch, watch, watch. I apologize for what I'm fixing to say. Watch the world by watching the church. Homosexuality, lesbianism is the way of the world. It's trying to swallow up the church. I, less, I worry less about it.
that spirit. I worry less of that spirit than I do femininity. It's easy to point out that spirit. But when did we become so inclusive of femininity? I hope it's okay, man of God. Just watch, just watch, watch. Your view of your father shapes your view of all authority. I took, I didn't pick you out because I thought you was feminine. I want you to know that. <laughs> I took my boy shopping two years ago. He went and I think it's called H&M. And I was yeah, y'all already know where this is going. So I was going to buy him a couple suits. I walked him in. And I said, where's your, uh, where's your men's department? Cute little thing said, what? I said, men's department. I'm looking for a suit. She said, sir, we don't have men's department here. I said, well, you sell men's clothes? She said, mm, yes. I said, well, where's that department? She said, it's everywhere. I said, I said hang on. This is a boy. I'm looking for boy clothes. She says, she said, not here. She said, we're all metrosexuals. It's universal now. And I was like, universal, my behind. And I ain't never shopped back at H&M and have no intentions of ever shopping back at H&M. But watch, 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 watch the church. Watch the masculinity of the church. Emulating what is the world. Oh, I don't know how I got here, but I find myself in hot water right now. There needs to be a fresh baptism of masculinity. When I grew up, it was okay to shove somebody. You wouldn't get arrested and sent to jail. My boy was in school two years ago. Another reason I yanked him out. And he was around a bunch of kids, and they said something. He said, that is so gay. And they yanked him up, took him to the principal's office, and called the regional guy in and had officers meet us. And they said, it is a crime. It is a felony offense. It's a hate crime to use that word speaking against another human being. And I said, he'll never do it again. Here. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm trying to tell you the reason why some of you are having a hard time finding that masculinity in you is because the world has made such a calamity of Christ and authority. It's okay to beat your fist on something. It's okay to shake your fist and say, no, not now, not tomorrow, not next week. No, devil, leave. 
that over there for me. Read, man of God, I'm done. Don't leave with it. I only brought one, dude. Six. But the judgment shall sit and they shall, and take they away. shall, and they shall. Take away his dominion. His, not them, his. To consume and to destroy it unto the end. Okay, everybody hang on. Hang on, here we go. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. It ain't me. It's Him. But I come in my thought. Here's what you're waiting on. Here's what you're waiting on. We, we are so accustomed to instructions. What do you want us to do, man of God? Tell us. I want you to quit letting the enemy mess with your mind. I want husbands and wives to fall in love tonight. I want marriages to be healed tonight. I want children to fall back in love with moms and dads and dads back in love with their children. There are moments, there are moments when I feel a divine presence of God in such a way that it causes me to say this. There are miracles. Not I have a pain in my back and the Lord healed me. And those are miracles. Notable, visible miracles in this place tonight. I can prove this by video in case there's a doubter. But the last time I said that, there was a lady that had come with her mom and dad. She was 34, 35 years old, had three little kids, and they had just diagnosed her and was in the process of treating her. With stage four, inoperable, incurable, they said. And they were just hammering her with chemo and radiation. I didn't know who she was. But I made that comment as she stood and come down the aisle. She had no hair. She was as bald as a brand new baby. And I said, ma'am, the Lord just healed you. 
I don't know what it is, but the Lord just healed you. Two weeks later, she came back. It's on video. She's down on the platform, and she testified of the miracle of her numbers being so drastically low or high or whatever's needed. But that wasn't what God said. God didn't say he was going to touch her. And I thank God for that, but I said that wasn't what God said. God said, heal you. I went back in February of this past year. Guess who was there? Just happened to slide in. Just happened to show up on this present, this this particular service night. And coincidentally, she showed up. And she said, I just left my doctors today. She said, I wanted to come to church. She said, not one cell anywhere in my body. You can look her up on Facebook. Her name is Breezy. Her name is Breezy, B-R-E-E-Z-Y, Shock. Pastor Terry Shock's niece. I didn't know who she was. I was preaching that same revival. They brought this young lady up. They were praying for her. I felt to lay hands on her. I went and laid hands on her. As soon as I touched her, the Lord said, tell her I'm going to heal her mind. Tell her everything about her mind is going to be healed. So I got my, I, I spoke to her side of her face, her ear, and I said, I want you to know that the Lord just told me to tell you that God's going to heal everything in your mind. Everything in your head is going to be healed. She went to carrying on like, well, like somebody just got a miracle. I didn't know who she was or what she was. Afterwards, they said, that's Breezy Shock. Her dad pastors up a little rock. Her uncle's Terry Shock, pastor the POA. She has a brain tumor. Don't expect her to live. And the minute I heard that, I thought, oh, Jeff Morgan. You done done it. But I didn't say it. She is completely healed today. Not one problem. Three times. Three times in the past three years, my wife and I had gone through a cancer scare in her body. Twice they've gone in to get tumors and growths and cancer. And when they went in, Dr. Wash comes out saying, I don't know about you guys, but he done done it again. It's to the, hang on, hang on. It's to the point now where people don't really believe me, so I carry in my briefcase pictures of the tumor and the mass in her ovaries that they went to get. And when they went there, I carry the four beautiful pictures where they're not there. Just to stand up in front of churches like this and say, this is what... Come on, it's here right now. Don't stop. 
Whatever you just felt like doing, do it.
I understand. I understand that we're in an altar call. And I know what God's doing right now. But I want you to listen to me. I want everybody in this altar to take two or three steps back. I want you to take two or three steps back. We can't have the revival that God's wanting us to have if we just do the same thing. This altar call will not be for first-timers and Holy Ghost. It won't be for people trying to find Jesus right now. That'll come second. This altar call is for those of you that have waged war and are weary. And the mask has got to come off. You're going to be surprised who comes to this altar tonight. But if you're ready to be real with this thing and take the battle out of your mind, come. My God. My God. This is the revival. This is it. This is that moment. This is that moment where God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to. Take it. Take it. Don't beg for it. Don't beg for it. Take the kingdom. Take. Take it. 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 Take it.
not going to walk up and passively give it to you. He's just going to hold it. He's just going to hold it and wait on you. He's just got it in reserve saying whenever you want it. I took it for you. Quit playing. Quit acting the part. Stop professing to be. And just take it. You are not ill-equipped. You are able. Now go. Now go. Now go. You feel it. You know it's here. Now go. In this, the power of your might.
and the saints shall take the kingdom. And it is an everlasting kingdom of dominion and authority and might. Take the kingdom. Keep praying, don't stop. Keep praying, keep praying. I want you just to reach out. I just want you to take your hands and reach out and just like you're grabbing something. And I just want you to pull it to you. Do it again. This is the posture of the apostolic church right now.
He's been waiting on this. Hey, hey, get them. You've been planted. You've been planted. Don't leave the planting. Don't leave the planting. God's fixing to take you places you've dreamed of. Don't preempt. Uh-huh. You're weary. You're tired. You're fixing to make a mistake. Don't think it's coming fast enough. Don't do it, Gehazi. Wait. It will come. Is she your mom? That's your boy? Whatever y'all three were just praying about, it's coming. I'm telling you, mother, it's coming. Write it down. I got a feeling it's a he. See how this works? When the kingdom shows up, it opens prison doors. It heals blinded eyes. This is what the church needs. It needs to take.
I want this to be one of those nights where we don't change the atmosphere in here. So whenever you're done praying or lingering, you're fine. Linger if you want to linger. But, but I don't want us to turn this into fellowship tonight. Whatever point you're done, again, if you just want to sit there and linger for a few moments, that's fine. But when you're done, I want you just to get your stuff and quietly exit the sanctuary. Again, we're not going to change this atmosphere tonight. This atmosphere is the one we're going to leave in. is going to go that fatigue that some of you feel you almost feel guilty because of it it's going to go it's going to be a lifting and a cleansing and then God's just going to baptize you all over again some of you feel guilty because you're weary you feel guilty because you have so much fatigue you've been at this a long time your battle has not been short nor easy. It would be wrong if you wasn't tired. And so the enemy has jumped on you now because you're tired. That's of the devil. And that cleansing is going to start right here tonight. It's just going to, like, like a cool breeze, it's just going to start blowing across those of you in this altar. It's going to be a refreshing and a renewing. You're just going to feel it. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. Father, in Jesus' name, breathe on us. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. 